morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. I want to welcome you to our next installment here. We're talking about what it, what it means to have a centered life. We're explaining who we are at Centerpoint Fellowship Church in this series. And uh, one of the things we want to explain to everybody is that at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, we value authentic relationships. And here is the authentic Shane Seegers to join me again this week. So that's really you, isn't it, Shane? Yeah, I'm real. Oh, yeah. You're hey, um, but you know, authentic relationships matter a lot. I'll never forget, it was when my boys were small. Uh, this is probably, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I guess. I was coming out of Walmart one day, and a fellow came up to me and asked me if I was John Schmidt. At the time, I was working at Fraser Methodist. We hadn't started Centerpoint yet. And he said, are you one of those pastors at Fraser?" And I said, yeah, I am. And uh, he said, okay, well, I'm going to join you for worship tomorrow. And I said, it was on a Saturday. And I said, well, that's good. What, what changed your mind? He said, well, I've been watching you as you went through Walmart to see if you, how you treated your sons there. And, um, you know, I think you're a real Christian. And then I went and sat down and went, what did I, how did I treat my kids in Walmart? Put that down. Go sit over there. Yeah, I don't know what I said. But whatever I did, he said, it looked authentic to him. Now, I hope nobody stalks you through Walmart, okay? That's not what I'm encouraging here, and I would not encourage you to stalk anybody else. But I was uh, greatly uh, relieved that he found me to be authentic. There's nothing worse than getting somewhere and you realize oh, well, this person talks a good game, but they don't really know anything. And that could be in any area. I mean, I don't want a doctor who just talks a good game. I don't want a mechanic who just talks a good game. I don't even want a butcher who talks a good game. Okay? I want the real thing. Do you know what you're doing? Are you authentic? And Shane, that's what we all want, right? I mean, real relationships? Yeah, I think it's, it's the most important thing, and especially for us to remind ourselves that Christianity is not a subject to be studied. I mean, it's, it's a life to be lived. And, you know, in Scripture, it talks about in 1 Corinthians, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And that's the goal of this, is that our faith would express itself through love. And so at Centerpoint, we talk all the time about, it's all about relationships. And relationships is not just about knowing facts about someone. It's about how you love someone. And that's really the most important thing, that we would be genuine in this, that relationships would be real and authentic, um, because that's our greatest proof. Yep. We're going to talk about it today. We want authentic relationships with God, authentic relationships with each other, and authentic relationships with lost people. At Centerpoint, we value these things. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that today, um, Lord, you would speak to us about being authentic. I want to be an authentic Christian in every dimension of my life, in my relationship with you, my relationship with other believers, and my relationship with people who don't believe yet. Lord, I just know that that's important. Jesus was 100% authentic, spoke the truth in love, uh, didn't bow down to pressure, didn't cave in when he was tempted. It was just the real deal all the way through. And Lord, I want you to empower each of us to be like your son. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us insight today. Challenge us in some area in our lives where we may be, where we need uh, to be challenged regarding our authenticity. If you'd like to be challenged today, before we say one more word, would you say, Lord, challenge me today? I want to be authentic. I hate hypocrisy. Lord, you heard our prayers. Move us out of the way. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Well, point one on your outline. Hey, if you need a pen, by the way, the ushers have probably been waiting here. Uh, please raise your hand if you need a pen. Fill in the blanks. Take some notes. We value, I uh, mentioned this a second ago, at center point, we value an authentic relationship with God. And so if you wanted to talk about it, this would be known as authentic worship. And there's four steps on that. And Shane, what's the first step on that? These are four. Well, read that first passage, first of all, from John 4, 24. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, I mean, if God is spirit, that means he's not, I mean, he can be worshiped anywhere at any time. And so we're not limited to one hour a week or one place or other things. We can be worshipped anywhere. He can be worshipped anywhere. And so we need to worship him with our whole lives. That's one dimension of this. Also in truth. I mean, according to his word and truth in that we're actually living this out, not just giving lip service. I mean, Jesus, when he rebuked people, he said, you know, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far away. You're not authentic. And God wants the real thing. And so these are, this is a simple pathway for authentic worship, with, which is just an authentic relationship with God, right? Yeah, and, and keeping God first. I mean, again, the, the mission for us is to center lives on Christ, is, is to help for Christ to be at the center of who we are, that he's in control. Because being a follower, being a disciple, whatever word you want to use, means that either, there's only two choices. Either you or God that's in control. Right. And... Um, for scripture, I mean, when I read scripture, it says that Jesus has come that we might have life and we might have it to the full. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to man or to you, to me, but in the end it leads into destruction. Uh, so it's kind of a no-brainer for me. You know, do you want destruction or do you want life? And if you want life, then the best thing that you can do is say, I want God leading. I want to surrender my life to him. Yeah, so if we're going to have authentic worship, it starts with surrender. This is point one, you and I must surrender. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, why wouldn't it start with reading the Bible first? Well, the point is, before we ever read the Bible or before we ever go to church, I mean, even in this prayer that I prayed just a minute ago when we started this message, it was like, hey, if you want God to challenge you in something today, pray that. Well, that's the whole idea. If you and I come every day, a a quiet time is an act of worship. Um, Surrendering surrendering control of my finances to God is an act of worship. Surrendering control of my temper to God is an act of worship. The way I respond to people and when they treat me poorly, if I say, Lord, I really want to surrender to you first, well, that's an act of worship. Listen to what uh, Proverbs 3 says about this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. But it all begins with not depending on our own understanding. It's, it doesn't mean we don't have reason and we shouldn't value that. We need to use our heads. God gave us a brain. But when we come to things, every day it's the idea of a, of a devotional or a quiet time is a devoted time. God, would you show me what you want me to think about today? God, what do you, want, what do you think about my job? Lord, Lord, this is what's on my calendar today. How do you want me to handle those things? And what if we did that? Lord, I'm going to have a conversation with that neighbor that I can't stand. Lord, i got to go to a family gathering today, and my in-laws drive me nuts. Well, I, I wasn't raising my hand for me. But anyway, uh, sorry, in-laws. But, but the whole idea is, hey, think about this, though. What if we actually prayed about that before we went to Thanksgiving meal? Lord, how would you have me respond today? Lord, how do you want me to treat them? Lord, I want your will to be done, not mine. And that's what Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. He knew he would be crucified. He knew he'd be separated from God. And the biggest request on his heart was this, not my will, but yours be done. Would you read that with me, please? Not my will, but yours be done. One more time. Not my will, but yours be done. I mean, Shane, that's something, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, 
Again, this is not some formula we came up with. This is something that God has revealed to us as we looked at Scripture, even as we looked at Jesus. If you read John chapter 5 and John chapter 6, you'll hear these phrases that Jesus says about himself. The Son of Man can do nothing. And we don't think of Jesus not being able to, to not just do anything. We think he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But he said time and time again, I do nothing on my own. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus was modeling for us what it looks like to live a surrendered life that says it doesn't start with me and my desires. It starts with God and his will, even for, for him. And so this is, this is the challenge for us is to live a surrendered life. Yeah, so whether I'm going to worship on a Sunday, whether I'm going to read my Bible in the morning, whether I'm about to make a big decision, before I make a decision, go, Lord, this is what I think, but Lord, what do you think? Lord, where do you want me to live? What job do you want me to have? I've shared before the big aha moment, the first time in my life where this ever became a real issue, after I became a Christian in college, signing up for classes. I remember a friend of mine, I was in a Bible study, the first Bible study I was ever a part of, and the guy leading the Bible study said, well, John, what are your classes? And I told him this, and he said, okay, everybody, let's go around. And they put hands on my shoulders, and they prayed that God would give me the right professors. And I remember sitting there thinking while they're praying for this, I've never prayed for this before. You just sign up for classes. That's what you do. And they go, well, no, that's not what you see. John, these are people going to pour into your life. Wouldn't you want God to put the right people there? Well, Yeah. Well, don't you want him to be in control of every part of your life? I mean, you're going to put it, you're spending a lot of money going to school. I was putting myself through college. You spend a lot of money, a lot of time. Why wouldn't you pray that God would bring the right people? Oh, I mean, that's what surrender looks like. Praying about my job and my boss and my coworkers, praying for them. God, how would you have me treat them? So worship then, then the way I live becomes an act of worship. And that brings us to the second point. Then we listen. Last week we talked about how important the scripture is to us and how vital it is to our understanding. We read this passage. just want to read it again. All scripture is inspired by God. That means the writers wrote what God wanted them to write. And it's useful to teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Jesus said over and over again when he was teaching, anyone with ears should listen and understand. Just circle the word listen. Are you and I willing to listen? Are we willing to surrender? And then are we willing to listen? When God sends us a word from the Bible, when he sends us good counsel, when he sends us a friend saying, hey, I don't know, I just really feel like God wanted me to tell you this. Are we willing to listen even if it's something we didn't want to hear? And I think that's the hardest part about listening, isn't it, Shane? Yeah, I mean, sometimes when, you, when we read Scripture, you know, what God says, we're like, yes, that's awesome. And sometimes we read it and we're like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. It's overwhelming. But the point is, is that if you're going to follow Jesus, then you have to listen to him. You have to know what he's saying and where he's going. And that's why we talked about biblical authority again last week. It's because this is a living word. Jesus, we meet with Jesus face to face in the Bible um, I know that's hard to understand, but he speaks to us here. He's not some faraway God, and, we're, and he's just saying, I hope you figure it out. He's guiding us. That's why we call it an authentic relationship, because he speaks to us. And when we don't take the time to listen, then our relationship feels less than authentic with Jesus. Yeah, because he's the one trying to guide us along the best pathway for our life. That's what Proverbs says. And... He's the one trying to prepare and equip us for every good work. The only question is, will I listen? And then after we listen, that's when we talk to him and say, 
hey, Lord, I've surrendered. Here's what I'm hearing you saying. Is this what you want me to do? And that's prayer. We must pray. Surrender, listen, pray. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. And so if I'm going to have an authentic relationship, it doesn't start with me just demanding a list. Lord, here's my shopping list. Lord, get this done by noon. Bye. Amen. In Jesus' name, I asked for it. Now you got to do it. I mean, we treat God like a genie. I rubbed the lamp. you got to grant me the wishes. I said the prayer. I used the magic word. That's the password. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, send. Okay? you got to answer. And we think about it like that. We, use, we even talk about prayer that way. Hey, do you think prayer works? Well, that's like asking, do you think conversation works? Well, yeah, conversation works. If I listen and then I respond accordingly. But all too often, man, our prayers are just a wish list of, look, Lord, I don't have time to read your Bible and I don't have time to go to church. But God, I need a raise and I need a new car and I need a new house or I need a new relationship. And this is what I'm doing. Now, give me these things, and if you don't give me what I want, then I'm out of here. Yeah, and, and you know, it's so important that we realize that prayer, is just, is, it is conversation with God, but it's so much more than talking to God. It's aligning our heart with what God reveals when he speaks to us. So when Jesus tells us something, or when he shows us the direction, or he reveals something that's a challenge, when we begin to say, God, I want that to be true in my life. You can be honest with God in your prayer. Some of the times, like we said, when we hear something that God tells us, my, our initial reaction is, that's too hard. But, you know, that's not where you say, God, give me something else. That's where you begin to ch- ask God to change you, to get in line with what God wants. Because that's, that's the power of praying according to his will. When, we read, when John read that verse, it says that we know we have what we've asked for him if we pray according to his will. Because God's going to accomplish his will. The question is, are you going to get in line with it? And that's what prayer allows us to do. It allows us to be honest and to deal with our difficulties, but to go straight to Him and say, God, you're going to have to do something in my heart because I want your will, not mine. And that brings us to the last step. We must obey. What's more pleasing to the Lord? 1 Samuel 15, Samuel told Saul, who was in direct defiance of what God told him to do, but he was worshiping God, giving him burnt offerings. And so the prophet Samuel turned to King Saul, and he said, what's more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than, than offering the fat of rams. You think God just likes the smell of barbecue? I mean, that's it? You think that's what the whole thing was? Yeah, he likes the smell of burning meat. I don't know. And that's the way we can treat worship, too. Why do you go to worship? Oh, I don't know. You got to go to this meeting, and you got to sit there and and put in an hour every Sunday. Well, do you like it? No, it's horrible. I hate it. I don't want to go. So you do an hour of horrible penance every year so that you can go to heaven when you die. Every, day, every Sunday so you can go to heaven when you die. And people look at it like this. Well, worship should be just the opposite. This is a chance for us to even, at our corporate worship, at the places where we even watch on video today, we're doing this, we're coming together for corporate worship to sing God's praises and, and recommit our lives to Him. That's an act of surrender. We teach God's Word through the music we sing and, and through the uh, word we proclaim and we listen. And we have prayers offered here. And the whole challenge every time is to then obey. And so if you and I want authentic worship, well, this is going to keep us on track. I want to be an authentic worshiper. 
I don't want somebody to say, yeah, well, that guy, he worships God with his lips, but his heart isn't really in it. Oh, he's big on Sunday, but don't buy anything. Don't buy a used car from him. Okay? Don't do that. If he ever wants to trade off, you know, puts his car on auto trader, don't buy it from him. He'll, he'll jack you around. Okay? And we all talk about things like this. Nobody wants that. Where you got, and we know people like that. They talk a good game, but they don't live it. Well, let's be authentic worshipers. I think that's what we all want. Now, Shane, you got a little hand motion that goes with this, right? Yeah, I want to talk about surrender and the, the whole thing about being an authentic worshiper. Is that this is, if this is God, this is where we want to be. We want to be surrendered to him. We want to be close and listening to him. But what can happen is sometimes we can find ourselves out here saying, I'm just not so sure, God, this is what you want. Or I, we can be over here saying, God, this is what I want you to do for me. The point is, is that we want to repent of being here or here. Repent just means change our mind, change our actions. We want to come back under God's will and say, God, would you please continue to speak to me, continue to reveal who you are, and then listen, and then pray. But don't just stop short at just talking about it. Put it into action. Obey. That's when you'll see the real fruit and get real joy in your relationship with God as you see the evidence and the results of it. Yeah, so we want to practice authentic worship, and that's point one. Point two is simply this. We want authentic friendship with each other. We value authentic relationships with each other. This can't be just something where, again, we're only nice to each other on Sunday morning. Hey, party pick. Hey, I can't stand that guy. Okay? I mean, we all know stuff like this. Hey, everybody get together for the party. Uh, It's like the only time people are together is when there's free birthday cake in the break room. Okay? Otherwise, we don't even talk to each other. I mean... Okay, for the people on video, here at 8 o'clock here in Prattville, everybody's just staring at me. Is this really, a, I mean, isn't this something we desire, authentic relationship, authentic friendships? Okay. I mean, this has to be something we desire. Do you know the church is supposed to be the place we find this? And all too often, we put on masks and we go, oh, I, I got to, you know, I'm the only one that uh, is here. I mean, I got to pretend everybody else is better than I am. Well, we're not. We're all in this together. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. It's our love for one another. And so a couple of simple steps on this also, four steps on this in this track here, is first of all, we've got to think of others first. Philippians 2, Paul says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So we've got to put others first. And then secondly, we need to be kind. And Shane, I'll let you read that while I catch up on this. Yeah, it says in Ephesians 4.32, which is one of the first Bible verses I learned, was be kind to one another. You know, it says be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then in Romans 12, uh, verses 10 through 15, it says love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Yeah, Shane, what do we mean by being kind? Well, being kind is simply putting... uh, When I talk about being kind, because when you think of others first, that means this relationship is not just about you. Can we say it's not about me? It's not about me. And so, I mean, you can't be in a relationship where it's all about you. So we have to think of others first. And then once we begin to think of others... What's the next step? How do I engage that person? Well, I've got to be kind. And I usually do it in three things. I have to greet people first. I mean, how many of you, when you came in here, you greeted someone you didn't know? 
I hope you did. Because you can't have a relationship or begin a relationship with someone if you don't greet them first. Greeting is so powerful. We think of it as just this little exercise. It's one of the most powerful things you can do to look at someone in the eyes and say, I see you, I acknowledge you, to call someone by their name, to shake their hand, to ask them a question, how are you doing, and really mean it. That shows people that you're about them, not just about yourself. So greeting each other, um, being kind, is then once you greet them, be nice. Don't be a jerk. I mean, guess what? If I greet him and say, hey, John, you're sitting in my seat or whatever. I mean, that just stops all thing of relationship from going any further. Yeah, nice to meet you. Please leave. Yeah. So, you know, hey, if you want an authentic friendship or relationship with someone, greet people, then be kind to them. And then what you need to do is be hospitable. And what I mean by hospitable is not just entertaining people in your home. That's important, but I mean just making space and time for someone in your life. Because if you want to develop a friendship, if you want to develop a relationship, it takes time and it takes proximity. You need to be close to someone over time. And if I'm not willing to make that space and time for you in my life, well, guess what? I'm not going to have a real friendship. I'll be friendly, but I won't have friends. And you know what? We want to be real. We don't want to just be a place that, hey, everybody's friendly, but when I have a need, I don't know who to call. So if you want friends, just do that. Greet people. Be kind. Be nice. And then make space for them because that's where God can really begin to grow the friendship and where it can take it to a whole nother level. Well said. We also need to serve. The next step is we need to serve. You know the rulers of this world, Jesus was talking to the disciples about this when they were arguing about titles. Who is going to have the highest place in heaven? Because, you know, it's always important to argue about what rank you'll have in heaven. Because that's what heaven is all about. It's all about status. No, I mean, and Jesus sat his disciples down. Hey, that's the way things work here. Everybody's always jockeying for position. I want to be king of the hill. Jesus said to his disciples, you know the rulers in this world lorded over their people. The officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And if you and I will embrace that, like Shane said, and serve people with hospitality, serve them with kindness, find a need and say, hey, uh, looks like you need some help with that. Can I help you? I mean, it's as simple as that. Seeing a neighbor who's carrying a bunch of stuff down to the street, a neighbor you wanted to meet anyway, and walking over and going, hey, can I help you with that? Or with each other. You see that, hey, there's things to be done. Can I help you? Well, it makes all the difference in the world. And finally, we need to invest in each other. Put others first, be kind, serve, and invest. Then we'll have authentic uh, friendships. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives, Colossians 3.16. And there's an interesting way that Paul starts his letter to Timothy and also to Titus. I'm writing to Timothy. uh, That's in 1 Timothy 1. You could also take uh, Titus 1.4 and say I'm writing to Titus. says almost the same words. My true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. My true son. I mean, Paul regarded Timothy and Titus like his kids. I mean, how did that work? Well, honestly, the pathway is what allows this to happen. Too often we start at this last thing, say, I want to invest in you. But we haven't earned the right to invest in their life. We haven't earned the right to be heard or to be a a real person of influence. But, you know, when you think of others first, thinking of their need, And then you begin to be kind, and you figure out ways to meet that need. 
guess what? They'll keep coming back to you over and over again because they know you love them, that you're for them. And when someone keeps coming back to you, that gives you the opportunity to build a relationship and to invest in them to where it becomes one of these things where, yeah, it's not just a friendship. I mean, this is like a kindred spirit in my life, and I have an opportunity to impact them. And so the whole idea here is is that, hey, do you, here's a question for us. Do you have a son in the faith? Do you have a daughter in the faith? Someone you've invested in over years? You've prayed for them? You meet with them? You talk to them every so often, if not every week? And you encourage them and say, I want to help you grow in your faith. I mean, the scripture over and over again, the older men need to teach the younger men. The older women need to teach the younger women. Back in those days, they had older women. We all stopped aging at 39 here, but, but, but back in Bible times. Okay, but the whole idea here is that the older women need to teach the younger women how to be godly women. Older men, teach younger men. Do you have someone you're investing in? Well, that's something to pray about because that's an authentic friendship. I'm investing in this person. I'm not just going to church just for myself. That's others first. It's something you and I need to be praying about and be working on. This, I want to be an authentic Christian. Center point, we're centering lives on Christ. Well, let's make it authentic. Let's do these things together. And Shane, I've got to push us on to the third point yeah. here. We also want authentic relationships with lost people. And I'm going to let you read that scripture while I catch up. Yeah. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and, to save, and save those who are lost. And, uh, you know... This is really important because last week we introduced the concept of arrows out or two weeks ago. I don't know if y'all remember that phrase, arrows out. This is extremely important for us because it's easy to come and to, to find the fellowship and the relationships of other believers in the church. But you know what? God did not leave us here just so that we can have small groups. Those are so important. But he's left us here so that we can continue to reach people who are far from him. I mean, that's the whole reason why Jesus came and died and gave his life, was that he might redeem them, that he might forgive them, he might bring them back into relationship with him. And he chooses to use us to be the messengers of that. Yeah, and so if you and I are going to do this, there are four simple steps here. The first of this is, if we're going to have authentic relationships with lost people, we need to be aware of lost people. Uh, John 4, 35 you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, Jesus is talking to his disciples here. But I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. There are people that God has in our lives right now who need hope, who need help, who need a savior. Right around us, right now. And if you'd say, well, I don't know anybody who needs Jesus, I'd tell you, hey, wake up. The fields are ripe with harvest. I wish I could tell you this has never happened to me, but it's happened to me uh, numerous times. I go meet with somebody in the hospital or in hospice care. Their diagnosis is terminal. There are Christians that know them, and they have never spoken to them. They have known them 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and they've never spoken to them about a relationship with Christ. They tell me, hey, would you pray for a friend of mine? Yeah, he's, I think he's dying. He's on hospice care, and they say he only has a few months to live. I go, well, is he a believer? I don't know. Well, how long have you known him? 40 years. Well, when are you going to have the conversation? I don't know. I don't know. I guess when the time's right. Well, since he might die in a few months, don't you think the time's right? When would the time be right? Now, if that shocks us into getting awake, then maybe we need to remind ourselves... I don't always know if I have a few months left, and neither do you. 
So when is the right time when you don't know? Today. Listen to this again. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. In other words, you got months here. But I say, wake up. Look around. The field's already ripe for harvest. That new family that moved in down the street, could it be they need an invitation to come to worship with authentic believers? Maybe so. Maybe when they moved from California, they didn't have small groups lined up before they came. I mean, maybe, you think? I'll bet that could happen. I'll bet they'd appreciate an invitation to your small group. Maybe when the person tells you at work, yeah, I'm going through a divorce right now. Um, I don't know. It seems like my life is completely turned upside down. I don't know what to do with my life right now. I didn't know what to say. Yeah, that would be a good time to say, can I pray with you? Would you like coming with me and talking with some friends of mine? We don't have all the answers, but we can be there with you. What if somebody did have a friend that died and passed away and they go, you know, my, my son died, my dad died, my wife passed away. I'm just kind of really wondering what life is all about. My friends, these are the times. And if we're going to be authentic in our outreach, then we are always looking for that. And we're praying for that. Lord, I don't want to go beat people over the head with a Bible. Well, you're not. You're inviting them to your small group. You're taking them out for coffee. You're asking if you can pray with them. You're asking if you can come sit with them because they look lonely. What's phony about that? Nothing. You have to sit up here with me when I get on these preaching rants. So hey, <laughs> keep I'm, going. I'm, Take the next one. Amen. Go the, next one. <laughs> uh, the next thing to do is we need to commit to prayer. Um, Colossians 4, 2 through 4 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we mo- may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. And of course he says, Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. And I want to encourage you in this part about committing to prayer. I mean, just like John said, we've got to wake up. We've got to be aware of the people that are all around us. God has strategically placed each and every one of us in a network of relationships so that everyone might know. But one of the first things that we need to do is start praying that God would be at work in their lives, that God would convict them. It's not your job to try and convince them. No one wants to have a relationship where all you do is argue with someone. But if you want to avoid getting in that place where you're just trying to argue someone into the faith or every conversation you're going to have is going to feel like a confrontation, I want to challenge you. Start praying for them. Start praying that God would be at work in their lives, that God would reveal their need for Him but also start praying for opportunities that you might be able just to ask them how they're doing. You'd be surprised that by just um, praying for them, what opportunities will come. And if you're aware again, then you just get to join in what God is doing. So a saying that I always was told is, before you start talking to others about God, start talking to God about those others. And I just want to encourage you to do that. When you become aware of these people, just commit to prayer. And God is at work. He wants these people to be in relationship with him even more than you do. Yep. So opportunities, needs, hurts, boldness. That looks like baldness. Let's not pray for that. Let's pray for boldness, not boldness. Okay. Um, We must also show we care. 
Okay? Become aware, commit to prayer, show you care. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior. They'll believe. Give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. Paul also wrote, Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone so I can win as many as possible. And if we show we care, helping the people down the street, helping the guy when the opportunity, somebody's just going to a funeral of a friend, just going there to support him. Thanks for being here today. I mean, if you ever wonder, does that matter to people? Yeah, it matters. And this is where the authenticity of our relationship comes in with them. Because again, they're not just a target. They're a real person. And you know what? This is where you have an opportunity to show them that you love them. It's not just about saying, well, they're a sinner and I don't don't agree with their lifestyle. The point is, is you've got to love people. You've got to show them you care whether you agree with them or not. Jesus told us to love our enemies. Of course, I mean, even with our enemies, we're not going to agree with them on everything. But he said, love them. And if we want to reach people who are far from God, the most powerful um, tool or whatever we, however you want to call it we have, is our love for them. Because that's what Jesus is showing them, the Father's love for them. And they're going to see it through you. And finally, we must be ready to share. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. Well, I think if we become aware of people and we're praying for opportunities, how to meet their needs, how to serve them, how to comfort them in their hurts, pray for boldness to speak to them, if we'd show that we care and offer them unconditional friendship, I think they'll be ready to listen when we share. In fact, I think they'll probably ask us, why are you being so kind? Why are you helping me? Because we want to be authentic. So, at center point, we want to be real. We believe in authentic relationships. We believe in authentic relationship with God. That's called authentic worship. We surrender. We listen. We pray. Obey. Can I ask a question? How many of y'all can do that? I just want you to understand, the Christian life's not too hard. We can all do that. Right. And an authentic friendship, just put others first. Be kind. Serve when you see a need and invest in someone or a couple of people, a true son in the faith, a true daughter. And finally, we want to have authentic relationships with lost people. We want to become aware. We want to pray for them, for all these things. We want to show we care and give unconditional friendship, and then we'll share when the opportunity comes. Now, my friends, you don't need a Ph.D. to do this. You don't have to be ordained to do this. In fact, that's one of the great things about following Christ. It's something we can all do. And at center point, we're going to do this together. That's how, that's why we want to carry this to a thousand sites. This authentic church with real people who are just doing the best they can and saying, God, will you help me? Can I pray for us, please? Lord, I could stand up here all day and talk about this because this is at the heart of what we do. I just, man, Lord, I want to center lives on Christ. I want a centered life. I want an authentic life. I don't want to talk a good game and then not live it. I don't want to walk, go through motions at work or in my neighborhood and never even have a clue who's hurting around me. Lord, would you please open our eyes to people who just moved into our neighborhoods? Would you please open our eyes to people who are hurting at work? Would you please open our ears when somebody says, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know where to turn. We go, Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness. We go, well, can I pray with you? Can I invite you to come over and meet some of my friends? We have a small group that meets... I'd love for you to be a part of it. Could you come with me to worship on Sunday? 
to be encouraged. Oh God, I just pray that we'll put others first. We'll be kind to each other and people will know that you are real in our midst by the way we treat each other. Keep us far from sarcasm and bitterness and jealousy and gossip. If God challenged you in something today, maybe about authentic worship or authentic friendship or authentic outreach, would you just pray about it right now and say, God, thank you. I, I asked for a challenge and I got it. Now please give me the strength to do it. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, this morning um, we're going to say,